I'm Edda. I'm Ryan. And this is Work Feels. We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians on the lands of which we work and live on and pay our respects to Indigenous Elders past and present. Sovereignty has never been ceded, it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hey team, welcome to our next episode of Work Feels. Today, we are talking about one of our favourite topics. That's right. Psychological safety in the workplace. So, I have been obsessed with psychological safety for a couple of years (laughs) and have also done my university assignments uh, basically exclusively on psychological safety. So, I'm pretty sure my tutors and lecturers are sick of hearing about it. Uh, (laughs) So, you're the expert Uh, this week. (laughs) No, I'm certainly not an expert, but I'm just an avid fan and a big nerd for psychological safety at work. Amazing. Uh, We have mentioned it in a few of the previous episodes, but now it's finally time to take a deep dive and interview uh, someone who is an expert on psychological safety. Mm-hmm. I've been really curious about this since um, we started talking about even creating work feels. I think maybe that's the first time you introduced me to the topic of psychological safety. Um, I think it's, it's so interesting and, and so important and it's almost like invisible. It got me thinking a lot how all of the different kind of offices that I've worked in have all had really varying levels of psychological safety and also the intersection of where I was personally in my own um, personal and professional development and how that also impacts my perception of psychological safety. And also on top of that, the way that now having learnt a little bit about psychological safety, the way that privilege comes into it is like a huge thing that I've, you know, definitely understood. I've obviously got my fair share as a cis white male. (laughs) I definitely understand that I've had my fair share of um, privilege when it comes to feeling a certain way in, in an office environment with particular people. But anyway, we'll get more into that later. I wanted to share a little personal story about psychological safety. I used to work in a small team. And when I say small team, it was just myself and my manager, very, very small team. And this was the first experience where I kind of got a really good feeling of what an unsafe environment is, an unpsychologically safe experience is. And that kind of lit my fire, you could say, for taking interest in this topic. But in this workplace, it was a, a very small office. I think I've, I've spoken about this before. It was a teeny, teeny office. Yes. Is this the, the hospital cupboard? The cupboard. I believe we've mentioned on a previous app. <laughs> <laughs> and I worked with one other person who was my manager. And the experience that I had as someone who has tackled quite a bit in their professional life... Uh, It takes a lot to get me down, you know, like I throw myself into the deep end on a regular basis and I feel like I'm someone who can make the best of a lot of shit situations. (laughs) Uh, But this was the first time where I was going downhill without even realizing it. My 
emotional stability, my belief in myself, my confidence was sort of going down with every month that I was there. It sort of crept up on me and it was not until maybe six months in where I realized that I was scared to ask questions. I was scared to suggest different ways of doing things. And I was holding so much back because I didn't want to create tension or create any conflict with my manager. Because every time I had done that, you know, suggested, oh, maybe we should try doing it this way or have, have you thought about doing it this way? Or even like, can you explain why we do something this way? It had always been met with, um, negative energy, judgment, or, you know, ridiculing me essentially. So over time, it was like, I was just on this downward slope. And then six months in, I realized that I had just lost so much confidence. And then 12 months in, you know, I was just in tears to have to go to work, which is so unlike me. So I think psychological safety is so important because when you don't have it, it, it can really creep up on you and it can really eat away at your confidence and at your ability to do your job. Um, and then you kind of just wake up one day and you're just like, I, I don't want to go to work. Like, I cannot go in there. I can't. I can't. I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah, it it really like it is so invisible at times and it's so subtle and it can be so manipulative if it's coming from another person, just making things so like volatile, but ever so slowly. And then eventually you get to a point where you're like, I'm losing my mind. I'm so upset. I'm so, I find it so hard to do my job. What's wrong with me? And it's really, it's not you. It's, it's actually the environment that has been created over time, which is also extremely specific to your own personal experience because no one else can see it. It's, it's, yeah, this is why it's so complex because it's, it's emotional, it's physical, it's like all of this combination that creates this unique environment and experience, maybe not environment, but this unique experience of how you perceive your colleagues, how you perceive yourself in a workplace and your, your value, et cetera, et cetera. It's, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a important, very important topic to discuss. I think. Yes. When I first started out in architecture, I certainly felt like maybe my opinion doesn't matter that much. I don't hold too much weight in a room and the places that I worked were, I think, you know, very, uh, male dominated, um, sort of like older, all, all of the leadership was sort of like older male dominated, which is, I guess, very typical of a lot of offices. And yeah, you don't, when you don't have much experience, um, you can really feel like, oh, I should just like shut my mouth. Like I should just do as I'm told and, and, and you don't, yeah. And like building that confidence, I think a psychologically safe environment is so important for young people so they can be set up to succeed and to be able to share their ideas and to feel well at work. And it's, yeah, it's so important um, to allow younger people or more junior people in a role to voice their opinions and to discuss things. And I certainly was in environments where it was like, this is how you do it, mate. (laughs) And, you know, being told not to do things. And then I think as well, there's 
also a bit of an intersection that came into it, I think, with my sexuality and with, like, kind of discovering myself and fully, you know, stepping into my identity over the years that often you're, you're like, okay, I'm not the atypical, um, you know, yes, I'm a, like, white, a white, young white male, but at the same time you're like, you know, I'm, I'm not a bloke with, you know, a girlfriend and, and this and that or, like, a wife and <laughs> Do kids. Do you don't go you fishing know. on the weekend? All right, go fishing on the weekend, mate. Um <laughs> You know, I don't play sport. Respect to all the people that go out fishing on the weekend. Oh, yeah, we, did, we love We didn't you. mean it. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's that there was that little intersection that I was like, Ugh, and I was like too, um, I didn't feel safe to share my personal life or my my um, my personal thoughts about anything. And I was, I was very much like, I think then I was perceived as someone who's like very quiet and very like, kept to themselves and but that's just genuinely because I did not feel safe to um talk about my personal life at at work I was like terrified (laughs) at one point um which really changed particularly when I moved to London I experienced an office culture that was like wow it was like so open and and much more psychologically safe than what I'd experienced in my early years in Brisbane yeah Yeah, I think the relationship between confidence and psychological safety is really interesting because Mm. if you are a very confident person, you may enter a team, you know, you just started at a company and you enter a team and, you know, you are feeling mentally well, you are feeling confident, your experience might actually be that there is safety in that team, particularly if you are you know, from kind of like a majority group, like if you are a white man and the rest of the team is mainly white men, like your experience stepping into that team may be, yeah, this is a a team with high psychological safety. Whereas if you are, for example, like mentally not feeling great and you are a person of color, a woman stepping into that team, that experience can be so different. And you may perceive that team as being quite low in psychological safety because you don't feel that you can speak up. And I think the interesting thing in terms of confidence is that when you increase psychological safety, people don't need to be as confident. So it accommodates for everyone sort of it accommodates for people who might not be feeling their best or as mentally healthy as, you know, the next person. When you increase that psychological safety in a team, it means that everyone doesn't need to be as confident and they don't need to have that, like, I'm feeling 100% and I'm feeling super confident and therefore I can share my ideas. It kind of removes that kind of threshold or I guess it lowers the threshold of confidence. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to come like galloping in as like a knight in shining armor into the bo- into yeah. the boardroom to be like, I have yeah. an idea. <laughs> you know, you can you can <laughs> yes. allow it allows people to just like more and also allows people to just more naturally express themselves, I think, and and leads to so many things, but I think one of them being authenticity 
at work and the, and engagement, like we've spoken about before, engagement with your job and feeling more connected to what you do. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's all this amazing linked interweb of things. All of the good things. I think that we could probably talk about this for hours um, and we should probably move on to our interview before we say all of the words and take up all of the time. Okay, team, it is time for our interview with Professor Brock Bastian. Brock is an internationally acclaimed researcher, author and speaker who has spent the last 15 years seeking to understand how culture impacts on mental health and ethical decision making. His work has been regularly featured in outlets such as the Harvard Business Review, Fast Company, The Economist and Time magazine. And he's recognized as a thought leader in the fields of behavioral ethics and mental health. Brock is a consultant to organizations across Australia on issues such as workplace mental health and workplace culture, and has developed cutting edge programs drawing on the very latest knowledge within psychology. Part of Brock's passion is to communicate innovative knowledge in a way that is accessible, applied and practical. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brock. Welcome to Workfields. Thank you, Etta. Appreciate it. Good to be here. So today we're going to chat about psychological safety at work. Psychological safety is becoming a real buzzword when discussing work cultures and work environments. For our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the term, can you give us a breakdown of what it means and, and who does it apply to? Yeah, so I mean, well, I think it, it applies to everybody. You know, psychological safety is effectively uh, really about a culture. I mean, it does get confused a lot with psychological health and safety, which is an organisational strategy around protecting mental health. I think they, 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 do to, they do speak to each other. But psychological safety is very much that, that cultural element um, around, I suppose, whether people feel safe um, to be able to take, well, I mean, ultimately, in the way it's defined, is to take interpersonal risks, which... You know, I think boils down mostly to being able to speak up around issues and concerns, to raise, um, to to raise uh, things that they feel they need to be able to address, uh, whether it's with their manager or with their team. Um, you know, around I think it can be applied to a range of different directions. So around, I suppose, high-performing teams that might be to do with making contributions or feeling that you can ask questions, um, perhaps challenge the status quo in a way. I think that you know leads to innovation and creativity. Um, but also it can be around, you know, I think around how people get along at work, um, being able to have safe conversations around, I guess, respect at work and those sorts of things, which can be quite difficult conversations to have. So how do you create psychological safety around those sorts of issues for people? Um, I think it's really important. and. A really big part of it is actually, uh, you know, where people feel that they um, can and are able to and know how to acknowledge when things are going wrong or admit mistakes and errors and feel that it's safe to be able to do that. And that doesn't mean that, you know, it opens the floodgates for, you know, all sorts of just, you know, error prone people to continue to make errors willy nilly. You know, I think it's still about holding people to account for for what they need to achieve or to, for good behavior or for, for good conduct, um, for, for good performance. Um, but also recognizing we're, we're human. And I think that, you know, the, the biggest 
the biggest assumption that you've got to bring to a workplace in order to build psychological safety or the thing you need to remember is that you know that humans are imperfect we're, we're fallible we make mistakes and if you don't leave room for that you create a culture of anxiety and you, you don't allow people to learn from those mistakes which is absolutely critical um, and so organizations where you know we know organizations where people are reporting more of those mistakes and errors are organizations that are making less of them because they're learning from them um, they're able to learn from them. Uh, and again, I think that that becomes interesting and, and, and particularly complex if we do start to look at applying psychological safety more to some of that sort of interpersonal conduct at, at work. I think that's a particularly tricky space, but again, it, it, the same model, um, I think, applies and, and works in that way as well. If you can give the listeners some tips, what can you look out for to help identify a psychologically safe workplace? It's just the vibe. <laughs> which is very hard to Simple. measure isn't it <laughs> it's very hard to measure but we're also very good at um we're very astute at being able to pick up on the cues so i mean as humans one of our fun one of our fundamental needs is to belong so we're very good at picking up the cues for belonging that means we're very good at being able to pick up the cues for for culture what's expected what's what's accepted um what's normative um, and so I think I think we are pretty good at picking up if we are in a psychologically safe place. I think we get those cues from people. We, you know, there are certainly some things that we can look out for, but um, you know, I do think we're very good at being able to pick it up. Um, and, and so it's perhaps it's perhaps more about trying to think about well, what is it that makes me feel safe, with that kind of intuitive understanding already in place. Oh, hang on a sec, this feels like a pretty good place. I think I could probably you know take a few risks here, and no one's going to jump down my, my throat for doing so well you know yeah. lose my job over this so you know sometimes you know it is a bit about the vibe um, and that doesn't make that doesn't make it harder to, to measure in some ways um, but I think you know I think one of the one of the real probably um, critical elements of it is the extent to which people are you know how people are responding to error and how leaders are responding to errors um, and mistakes mm -hmm. things do happen and how open and comfortable they are in themselves to be able to respond to their own you know are they able to back down and sometimes say look you know i think i got that wrong guys i think that's a better approach or you know made a mistake sorry let's head this direction team i mean i think leadership has a huge role to play and uh, you know if you've got leaders who are doing that i, I think it's very clear you're in a very psychologically safe workplace of course there there are there are pockets culture changes across an organization even within relationships so there'll be there'll be Normally, what you know, what we find is that the, the team you're working in will feel safe to you, but there may be other teams or the rest of the organisation you're a bit less clear on, um, or maybe there are teams that are safe and there are teams that just aren't safe, or there are people, there are people that you know you're safe with and there are people that just aren't. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think it, it does change, and, and and but we do pick up on it pretty quickly. I heard um, Amy Edmondson describe it as an ex example of if you've ever had the feeling of you've got an idea or a question and you kind of want to say it but you hold back um, and that holding back even though you think it, it could be valuable to contribute it could be valuable to ask this question but that feeling of holding back could be an indication that um, that 
maybe your culture could be more psychologically safe. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So again, that yeah, you know, when I mean, there's there's so many times when you sort of go, what's that acronym? I don't know what it means, and then you go and work it out in your own time because you don't want to ask a silly question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think that the, the, the tricky thing there again is to know what you bring to a culture and what the cult, you know, what what the environment brings to that situation. Because I mean, we can obviously bring some hesitancy in that I mean, maybe maybe it is a safe place or a safe culture but we ourselves perhaps one reason or another don't feel safe perhaps we we came from a different organization you know a few months ago where it didn't have that kind of culture and we're still adjusting or perhaps for other reasons we we sometimes we sometimes want to protect you know people's impressions of us more than we need to so you know i, I guess there are individual and cultural elements to to an experience like that for example yeah if um if one would want to get a little bit more official about the measurement of psychological safety, going beyond kind of having a feeling of the vibe or kind of that gut feeling of I feel safe or I feel like my team does speak up, but you actually wanted to maybe work it into the organization and figure out how to measure it across time, um, maybe see if some initiatives are actually changing how psychologically safe your workspace is. Uh, is there a standardized approach and, and how, how can you measure it in a, in a more official way? Yes, my understanding is that Amy Emerson did produce or publish a measure. I think it was back in about um, perhaps nineteen ninety nine a while ago. Um, but but uh, yeah, I mean there there is a published measure that you can use, and again that that captures psychological safety at at various different um, levels in terms of within the team uh, and and within the organisation. So um, that that certainly is a I think a good measure to be able to use. I think there are other organisations out there that have developed tools, given the interest in the construct, to, to measure it. I think the thing you want to just make sure you are doing is yeah you are using a fairly validated approach to measurement. Um, that doesn't mean that sometimes putting in questions that are actually um, really fit for purpose, and you think you know this is actually something I really need to know, you know, and 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 you are able to kind of structure that question well. I think you can come up with some questions that perhaps access what you really like would like to know. But again, it's good to be able to also use those those validated instruments where you can. Um, and again, you can use those multiple point multiple time points to assess change across time if, if that's what you're looking for. Okay. Yeah. As as someone who's not as well schooled on psychological safety as Edda is, um, can can you give us uh, and the listeners, I guess, an example of, of when we talk about these measures? Like, what are they? Is is it a set of questions that you ask? Is it a, um, you know, do you need to survey your your staff or or how how do you get the data, so to speak? Yeah. So 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 very simply, it's a survey. You get people to answer it. You would look at the data that comes from that. Um, but I guess there are also other indicators that we can we can use to to assess that as well. I, I mean, perhaps one of those indicators, and and again, these are informal indicators, of course. But I mean, one might be, you know, are you hearing bad news stories? Um, are, are, you know, are those sorts of things travelling up through the organisation, or are you only hearing good news stories? I think that's a good indicator. Well, I'd be worried if I'm not hearing some bad news. You know, do people feel safe to actually, you know, feed that up? Um, so I think you know. Few, a few of those sorts of, um, I suppose, elements in terms of, you know, ob observing the culture, observing the way that people are actually behaving in the organisation might be really important to, to draw on as well. I guess it's more more sort of qualitative data in a sense. Um, 
but yeah, great to be able to measure it using some of the quantitative instruments that are there too. Yeah. yeah. I love that. If you're a leader, are you hearing the bad news? Because, I mean, you, you it's not intuitively sort of something that you want to attract, but yeah, are you actually getting the bad news or is everyone making it look really rosy and lovely? And I think that's the other misconception about, you know, it's almost uh, unfortunate that the, the word safety is part of the concept because I think that's what people often misunderstand is it's not about it's not about creating a safe space in as much as no one should ever feel uncomfortable, no one should ever feel potentially flustered. Um, you know, I think it's actually quite the opposite. Uh, you know, it's actually about creating that environment where people can have really candid, direct, open, uncomfortable, awkward, difficult, challenging conversations, but against a backdrop of uh, always working towards finding some common ground and, and also understanding that that respect and dignity, the foundations of respect and dignity are always in place. There'll be no retribution. No one's going to come back at me in, in ways I'm not going to expect. It's all above board but we can do this, we can take that risk. Um, so again, that might be another indicator. I mean, do you, do you find that everyone's having very pleasant conversations um, and yet there are errors occurring or there are problems arising and no one seems to be talking about them? I mean, that's again, another indicator that, well, why isn't anyone talking about this or, you know, why is this not coming up in team meetings? Yeah, because it may seem like rosy, but in reality, everyone's there's the elephant in the room, and everyone's walking on eggshells, and no one's yeah. being being very transparent, and people are pretending, or you know, perhaps it's the other way where people say, you know, ev- everything's shit at work, <laughs> and then yeah. you you also don't have very good psychological safety either. No, that's right. Well, I mean, yeah, if, if people feel that way, it's probably not a great culture that they're working in, which include psychological safety either um but yeah i mean those feedback processes the 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 informal feedback processes you know are people giving each other feedback um i think that's a really big indicator um they feel feel comfortable to do so um are you getting feedback that back and forth between staff and and management and senior management i think that that must be one really key thing to establishing that that respectful environment as well yeah yeah that's right that's right. So if a company can see that, you know, maybe there's an issue or an employee can is saying, feeling like, yeah, I don't think, I don't feel comfortable to speak up. I don't feel like we're having that respectful discourse. Um, what are some, I mean, it's, it's a huge uh, task to take on, obviously, the culture of an organization, yeah. but what are some important steps to take, um, I guess, from a, uh, an organization perspective, are there any frameworks or creative strategies that they can start to uh, apply or anything that the listeners could even bring up, you know, to a manager or to mm. senior management? Well, I think, I think being, a, yeah, I mean, as, as with anything like this, I mean, being able to identify, you know, the, the case for why it's, why more of this is required or why it's a problem in the first place, I think is, is really important. So being able to identify where, you know, and again, what, what is the issue that isn't being addressed? Is it around, is it around risk? You know, for example, you know, Boeing um, found out that, you know, one of the major issues that caused some of the serious safety concerns was that no one felt safe to speak up. 
So you want to hear about that, and then you want to hear about it in terms of the safety issues, um, or is is it that you know is it around um, interpersonal conduct, uh, you know, bullying and 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 respect at work, or other sorts of elements of the interpersonal space? Is that the reason we need more of it, um, or or do we feel that simply we're doing quite well, but actually you know we would like to be a, a, a you know an employer of choice and build really high functioning performing teams. Um, or, or, you know, maybe, maybe again, there's, there's an element of the culture that's dropped out and um, perhaps the teams aren't functioning quite as well as they used to. You know, I think at the moment there are a lot of organisations that are realising that the whole work from home, uh, I, I guess, phenomenon has, has, has in some cases stripped teams of a lot of that social capital that they maybe used to have. And, and now some of some of that lack of, I suppose, that, that team culture is starting to create some problems in terms of how people are getting along and how, how work is getting done. Um, you know, so, so I guess there's, a, there's a, a really quite a, a range of reasons as to why you might identify you need more of it. And I think really identifying you know, what, what the issue is and, and then also you know, why this might be a good, a good angle or a good approach to, as well, a good solution to that. Um, and getting that, you know, getting that, I suppose, in front of your, your you know, your leadership, the executive, um, getting that buy-in to, to, you know, at the very, at the very least, perhaps, you know, get somebody who's able to come in and talk about the concept and help people to understand, you know, what it is and why it's important and what it can achieve, and then, then to go from there to see if there's, you know, further, further work that can be done and. Um, and, and again, you know, if anybody does come, you know, it, it's really about then handing over that, you know, handing over the reins and making sure that, that those conversations, that, that uh, the practices to really build it, you know, the kinds of tools and strategies that people bring um, to their work, to their roles, um, that they are encouraged and supported and continued. Um, you know, one of the things I, I, I often say is that if you are going to achieve culture change, you know, and we often forget this, you've got to be intentional and explicit. You know, you've got to, you've got to kind of keep, you can't, you can't just think, well, it'd be nice if the culture was better and go off and do what you normally do. I mean, particularly as a leader, you've got to actually think, what are we going to do in our day-to-day -day practices, even if it's about creating some space in team meetings to actually address this, you know, how's the culture going? Do we feel, we, we, you know, are people comfortable raising issues and concerns to just, just actually have that conversation and to talk about it? So, um, you know, and if, 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 if that, you know, to set that up, if that requires, I guess, you know, some input, um, you know, uh, into the organisation and some, some, I suppose, some thought leadership, then that's, that's something that can be looked at as well. Yeah, mm. just going to add, add to that, that, that it, is, it is really so top-down. Um, I, I just recently started a, a new job and the, the difference from the previous job to my current job is almost like day and night with the, the culture. Um, and it, it, it's, it's all just trickles down pretty much like, you know, and then everyone around you starts operating on that kind of wavelength, but the, the processes and, um, you know, the way, the way that you feel as a staff member, the way you feel you're valued, um, that you belong, like you say, um, yeah, it just, I think absolutely everything comes from top down. I would agree with you mostly. And, and I think that leadership has an oversized shadow on culture always, but I think, you know, people also need to know how to, how to communicate well within teams and, you know, some, these sorts of skills are not that easy. Managing relationships is not that easy at times. Having 
conversations around how, you know, around whether I feel comfortable with your conduct at work or whether it's making me feel uncomfortable, you know, in an early intervention, prevention sort of response to things like sexual harassment at work. You know, how do I have those sorts of conversations locally and directly so that we can actually prevent that stuff from happening? How can I, how can someone hear that if that's a conversation that needs to be had? Those are skills that you need to, you know, you need to give people um, in teams. Um, but, you know, if you can give those skills to people in teams, but if the leadership isn't supportive and isn't sort of role modelling it, then, yeah, it doesn't go very far. Mm. Um, on the topic of leadership role modelling, I was reflecting today uh, about a company that Ryan and I used to run about 10 years ago, and I realised that we sort of accidentally did something that uh, would create some psychological safety when people started and we actually said to them um, like before you start or on your first day uh, look at the website and tell us three things that you'd change um, and we will we want to know that we want to we're happy to change the website if you can come up with three good ideas to change we can do it this week um, and if there's any at any point in your kind of time with us that you see that something needs to change on the website or, you know, something needs to change in the product, then let us know because we are happy to always be changing it. And I think we just did that because we were like, well, they might have good ideas and maybe we've missed something. And <laughs> it was feedback. certainly, <laughs> it certainly wasn't from a, you know, a, psych a psychologically safe um, strategy perspective. But, um, but yeah, that was kind of like an accidental example. Yeah. I mean, you invited, you invited people to have a voice, you invited people to give feedback. And and you were very open that you're that you're you know you're very you were open that you're open to being wrong. Um, you're open to revision that you know you don't expect to have all the answers um, and someone else might have a better answer than you. And I think what you know that's that's one of the things that leaders often get wrong is they feel they have to have all the answers. They feel that if they admit errors and mistakes or um, you know failures that that people are going to lose respect for them or they're going to lose face. Um, you know how can I be a leader and acknowledge that I've stuffed it up? People won't quite follow me. It's exactly the opposite. It's exactly the opposite to that. People don't admit errors and mistakes because they think they need to protect their reputation. The fact is they're actually destroying their reputation when they don't. And the, the people who are really quick to do what you did, say, hey, look, I'm open to this. I might get it wrong or I did get it wrong. Or, you know, here's an example of a time when I got it wrong. Um, they're the people we respect. We, you know, if you think about the people you respect, it's those people, not the people who, you know, a Teflon. It's it's the yeah. you know, willing to sort of you know deal with the the you know the reality of their own fallibility. So um, yeah, so maybe you, you inadvertently did exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> so this idea that psychological psychological safety can be perceived differently from person to person. So for example, you know, I may start in a team and I may feel um, uncomfortable. Uh, perhaps I'm in, um, for example, the only woman. I don't know. It could be a myriad of reasons. Um, and the person next to me, we're at a meeting, that person feels very, very confident, happy to share and perceives the environment to be very psychologically safe. As an employee who might be in that position of, I, I don't feel super safe here, what, what are some strategies or what are the next steps to be able to um, kind of shed light on that, uh, particularly when, you know, you're unfortunately the person that feels the least safe? Yeah, 
Well, I, I mean, it's, it's an, it, it is an interesting observation. I suppose, you know, one of the things that defines or the way psychological safety is defined is it's a shared belief, right? So, so culture is, is something that we, we all can kind of agree on that that's what the culture is. So I think there's a, there's, a, there's certainly an element of this where I don't think people's impressions of the work, of the, the workplace could be, you know, chalk and cheese. I don't think that that's possible. I think if there's a culture, people are going to have some sense of it. But there will be people, for example, you know, there'll be people who've had longer tenure or there'll be people who perhaps are more stereotypically sort of fitting in with, you know, what, what, what everyone else is like in the organisation, you know, feel more included. Um, you, know, I, you know, there will be those differences. Um, and I guess, I guess really it's, you know, if, if you are feeling that you're, you're not, like, I mean, I guess firstly, check on your own assumptions there i mean maybe you don't feel that but perhaps well how come other people do is it just because you know is it just because that they they are in a privileged position compared to me or are they maybe aware of some elements of this culture that i'm missing or that i'm perhaps not tapping into or or have i brought again some experiences from a past workplace that i could perhaps let go of here or, or is that just a little bit about me and you know Mark over here is an absolute extrovert, so of course he's going to feel psychologically safe all the time, and I'm just an introvert. And that's that, that's that's par for course. That's that's normal. That's that's how we'd expect that. That's going to be a bit different. Um, so I, I guess it's a, it's a sort of complex question because I think some of those those sort of differences in in, in perception are going to be about individuals um, and 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 trying to understand what that might be is probably where those differences are going to you know where you're going to understand where those differences are coming from. But in terms of the culture, I think if it's, it's probably unlikely that you know one that, that that for one person the culture is completely psychologically safe, and for the other that it's not. At least if you're in the same team. I mean, again, cultures can shift across and you know be different across different areas of an organisation. But you know, if that is the culture um, of a team, then it should be a shared belief in some sense. And again, if it's not, then you don't have it. Um, you know, if one person feels psychologically safe and nine don't, well, you don't have psychological safety. Or if five do but five don't well they do but the rest of the team doesn't so you know i guess it's about um yeah and if that's the case then about recognizing well hang on a sec there are some some barriers or boundaries here um that we need to either break down or that we need to create more inclusion for some ele- you know for some elements of the team who aren't experiencing the safety that other people are yeah yeah i was just thinking about that i guess this is kind of for me where i would see diverse the importance of diversity and inclusion in workplaces those strategies um you know organizations deploying them um and and highlighting them as an important part of their culture again helps uplift people and then overall increases or i would think increases the psychological safety of an organization because it's trying to give everyone that level playing field yeah, and, and again, maybe it's about, you know, speaking up on exactly that issue, saying, look, you know, I, I noticed that, that, that there's a lot of psychological safety here, but there's a group of us who don't feel that we actually have that much of it. Um, but, but again, you know, you would hope that, if, that, 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 that you wouldn't come across a leader who was preferentially open to error with one set of people, but, you know, completely sort of um, blame and punishment when it comes to another group of people. But I guess that can happen. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned um, that someone could say that, you know, there is a group of us that don't feel as psychologically safe. And I think the key there is like, uh, can you find strength in numbers? You know, can you 
can you see that other people might not be feeling that that safe or they've got things to share that they've maybe shared with you but they weren't um, comfortable to share in the group then mm. like build that strength in numbers and, and lean on each other to mm. to then take it to the next step and look I think the thing that underpins really a lot of this is relationships if you have some sort of relationship with with people in the team it doesn't have to be as you know it doesn't have to be a, a personal a deep personal relationship but I mean you know you've had the time you've taken the time to have a chat about something outside of work or just had that opportunity going for coffee. It doesn't have to be much, but you know, maybe focusing on building a little bit of that relational capital. Um, if you're not feeling like that's the case, and again, there aren't clear barriers to you know you maybe building a bit more of that for yourself. Um, people aren't actively pushing you know. People aren't actively making you feel unsafe. It's just you don't yet quite feel as safe as you'd like to. Yeah, I think just building and focusing on building relationships, and and of course leaders should be doing this as well. I think. Of course, leaders don't have the time half the time to actually focus on doing everything I need to do and build relationships. But, you know, they get a lot of value if they do focus on the relationship side of things. And I think, you know, we do need to sort of think about building relationships with people we work with because it, it's the, you know, it's the, the, the grease that keeps the wheels turning. Mm, absolutely. Relationships at work, I think, is, um, is interesting today, uh, our work. Uh, my workplace just launched uh, a second round of a mentor program that they're doing like in, in, in uh, you know, in in-house mentoring program with other senior members of staff. I think that's probably one sort of strategy to developing and, and enhancing that social capital and, the, and those relationships. And then therefore making you feel, uh, you know, a bit, bit more confident, a bit more, you know, um, happy to express your ideas, um, you know, because you've had that, that connection, that more personal connection, um, with a more senior staff member as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's critical. Well, that takes us to the end of our interview. Thank you so much, Brock. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about where we can find you on the internet, where we can learn more about psychological safety? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can go to www.sysafe.com.au to have a look at our website, Psychological Safety Australia. And I mean, we, we do quite a range of, um, of things, you know, from, uh, from consultancy through to providing workshops for teams and, and for leaders. You know, the way we work is to really understand what an organisation needs, what its challenges are, and again, how to apply some of what we do to really uplift that and to, to, to help. I think it's really critical that you know that you actually connect in with what the current need is in an organisation. As we've as we've spoken about, that can be that can be varied in terms of you know why you might want to build your culture or focus on your culture, and in particular the psychological safety of it. Um, so yeah, there's there's certainly some some resources and theirs you can get in touch through the website with us and um yeah be happy to talk further at any any point amazing amazing thank you so much brock i think this uh conversation has certainly highlighted that psychological safety is so much more than a buzzword uh, and is really really at the foundation of our livelihoods at work so thank you for your insights and your time and um, we hope to chat to you again soon thanks so much brock you're welcome. Thank you both. Thank you so much to our guest Brock for that brilliant interview. 
Edda, I'm so glad we finally got to cover one of our favourite topics, psychological safety. After having that conversation, give me your thoughts. Give me your feelings. The thing about psychological safety that I think is so exciting is that finally I feel like employee well-being is in line with how to run a commercial profitable business. I think for so long doing the right thing by employees, doing the right thing by people has been, you know, an expensive exercise, a bonus, you know, cherry on the top. Oh, it's only at nice workplaces. But finally, like the research, the data is showing that psychologically safe teams are more creative, more innovative, more productive. They are actually better for the bottom line than unpsychologically safe teams. And having worked in sustainability, that is just such a frustrating thing that, you know, in sustainable fashion, making a sustainable, you know, a dress with uh, a sustainable textile is usually more expensive than, you know, a polyester. Or, you know, having it made ethically is going to be more expensive, obviously, than having it made in a sweatshop. So forever in this, you know, like, let's make the fashion industry better, you always come up against it's more expensive. It's less convenient. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, there's just barriers and it's frustrating. But to finally be in a space where doing right by people actually fits into the paradigm of capitalism mm-hmm. as, you know, as annoying as that is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's <laughs> it better is capitalism. It's better capitalism. Yeah, it's 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 um it it's a really motivating space to be in. Like it feels like you can have a very honest um kind of if you work in this space, you can have a very honest job, but still, you, you know, you you're going to be able to pay your bills. Yeah. So that's what that's what kind of draws me to the space. Yeah, and I love this. Just popped into my head, but. <laughs> I finally feel like it's science for being a snowflake. Yes. You know, like it finally, instead of having this perception that because you, um, you're a sensitive person or you're impacted by these kinds of things or you feel that way, you're empathetic towards other people and the environment they have to work in and all these like behaviors where, you know, you're being hyper observant and sensitive and aware of people's ability to contribute, be comfortable in a workplace, feel mentally well, feel confident, um, be more creative, all of these things that quite often, um, you know, may be um, thought to be... Uh, like seen as too sensitive yeah, or, or too like, complicated or, or like for just, the workplace. Just, get it, just speak up, just get over it, like that kind of attitude. It's like, well, no, (laughs) this is actually the science behind it and the data behind um, actually fostering these environments that allow people to really be themselves. And it is going to be better for business, better for people. It's going to lead to better outcomes and it will lead to, yes, capitalism, but making capitalism work a little bit more in our favor. (laughs) Yes. Bingo. Bingo. Okay, team. 
Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Work Feels and thank you to our amazing guest, Brock Bastian. You can find Brock on LinkedIn. Also check out the amazing work on his company's website, scisafe.com.au. That's p-s-y-safe.com.au. We hope you enjoy this chat all about psychological safety. And if you are interested in where to start learning about psychological safety, I can highly recommend the book called The Fearless Organization by Amy Edmondson. Otherwise, if you just want to start being more psychologically safe for your team members, the main recommendation is to be a really good listener and ask genuine questions. I think that is the kind of number one place to start. Be an active listener when people share what they're thinking and ask questions with curiosity uh, because that shows that you're, you, you want to know what they think. Um, and that really kind of leads by example and, and has a strong flow on effect for the rest of your team. Amazing. Okay, team, remember to rate, review and subscribe on Apple or Spotify. We love hearing from you. So please get in touch with work stories, ideas, feedback. You can send us an email, hello at workfeels.com or send us a DM on socials. You can find us on Instagram at workfeelspod. And on LinkedIn, just search Work Feels. Until next time, team. I'm Edda. I'm Ryan. And this is Work Feels.